I'm Rusty, joined by Efo, and I'm doing everything in my power to not pound the Kool-Aid. Take two. <laughs> Take two. We had a, we had an intro before this that got a little out of hand, so we just restarted. We just reset. You know what? There's nothing that's getting out of hand. We're winning the natty. The wings are back. We got our swagger back. We're swag surfing left and right. Natty or bust. I just the hype. The hype bar is just—it's too much. If if this was a Cheeto packaging thing, we'd be at dangerously cheesy, like just breaking off the off the rails. We don't have a game summary because the whole regular season doesn't matter. It's like men's basketball season. The regular season doesn't matter. Fast forward to the college football playoff. We'll meet you there, Bama. <laughs> We'll meet you there, Bama. Oh man, but what uh, a showing! Uh, yeah that that was that was good. It was okay. I mean, I would say that scoring the most points offensively since 1916 uh, is okay. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah, and I want to begin with a preface of all our commentary right now. We are adjusting the opponent being Southern Utah. Which is still a playoff FCS team. You know, it's it's an FCS team. You know, it's not like garbage. Um, like, I don't know, they have a terrible FCS team. UC Davis. It's not, it's not the Missouri school for the blind and deaf. Yes. You know, that they, they know how to play football. Yes. So we are I am adjusting for that. But when I week one's always tough. No one is as bad as they seem and no one is as good as they seem. And to an extent with the scheduling and everything, you just gotta play who's in front of you. And Oregon played really well. They went out there and did what they were supposed to do. It was fine. We did okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, what do you, uh, let's let's quickly segue into I guess quick takeaways from the game. What what stood out to you? What was most impressive? What worries you? Um, what what do you think? Um, what stands out to me is there is a clear identity on offense again. Which is just power running, just over and over again. Um, and the other one is that really stood out is that the players genuinely look like they're having fun. I've watched the 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 television broadcast of it again, and even the television broadcast with them putting some emphasis on that didn't really capture at all times how much the players look like they were enjoying themselves. Well, that's good because that's one of the things that I was going to ask you about. I um, I think I've mentioned it before. I do not live in Oregon anymore, um, which sucks. Uh, but um, being that I don't live in Oregon, I couldn't make the game. So I wanted to know, you know, from someone who was there, what your takeaways were that I might have missed on the TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely looked like everybody 
on the team and in the fans. Um, you know, I, I think it, it transitioned to the fans as well, uh-huh. uh, especially later in the game when normally you would see people being kind of tuned out about things in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it seemed like the players were into it, the fans were into it, and not just when Tony Brooks James took it back and, and housed it on the opening kickoff, but, you know, through at least like the third quarter um, when, you know, fourth quarter is really garbage time. But um, even for, it seemed like their energy was up the entire way, which was, it was really welcoming. Yeah, and something too that stood out to me is that, I mean, yeah, it was like before kickoffs, you could really tell how excited everybody was. Like before every kickoff, the sideline was doing the swag and surf. Um, And one of the other things that was, that you could tell in person that the camera angles did not do a good job of showing is basically all these different layers on top of some of the, on top of some of the initial um, plays basically. So Oregon did a lot of unbalanced formations. So they'll have three receivers, a tight end, and a running back all to the same side. Um, which makes some of the players ineligible, makes the tight end ineligible uh, to catch any passes. Stanford does that a lot. Well, they'll just put seven linemen down. Um, Chip Kelly did a lot where he actually put the tight end on the right side of the offensive line because pretty much like against Stanford in 2011. Yeah, in 2011, when it went down to Stanford, that just shredded uh, shredded Stanford's defense. But he did a really good job of basically layering on different looks. So there's the, just like your standard read option. He ran a lot of power, not actually a lot of read option, just straight power football. Um, and it got to be where they could show slightly different looks. They would maybe read somebody differently if there was a read option. Instead of doing just your standard, like out route, basically doing a basically a glorified running play out to the boundary, um, he would like Herbert would throw a pump fake, and there'd be like a couple of different varieties of how the three receivers would basically spread out. Um, so that's one of the things I noticed as well. Um, obviously, the unbalanced formations. Honestly, I like um, I like the wrinkle of doing an unbalanced formation more with the tight end rather than an extra offensive lineman for the simple fact that it leaves you open to using motion where all of a sudden then you can have that tight end be an eligible receiver on the other side of the field. So Mm -hmm. I I think it it makes us more multiple on offense, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like you, I thought the running downhill was – very interesting. Um, we, I mean, we knew that Cristobal and uh, even Taggart from back in his days at USF and Western Kentucky, he, he per- much prefers to do a downhill running style as opposed to like a zone read. Um, but that was really apparent. Um, and there wasn't a ton of play action or uh, read option. But at the same time, I'm kind of taking that with a grain of salt because you probably didn't want to um, show a whole lot of cards against a big non-conference opponent against Nebraska. Right. So I would expect that this upcoming week we'll see more of the read option. Um, but it may not end up being one of those 
staple plays that we're used to seeing on an Oregon offense. Right. I mean, they did throw a few different varieties in, like barely. Like I think they only ran a couple of jet sweeps. Um, but there was also like a really nice play where it was maybe the third jet sweep where they Charles Nelson motioned across. And when they snapped it, Royce went out of the backfield and straight up the hash marks. And Herbert basically looked at him the entire time. The defense totally forgot about Charles Nelson, who had just swept through, lost track of him after he passed in front of Herbert. And then Charles Nelson was wide open, basically at, at the top of your screen um, for an easy run, just because it was a perfect addition to jet sweep play action passes. And I would say an addition as well, you know, they didn't actually hand the ball off on a jet sweep a ton, but they used that motion a fair amount. Yeah. So that's something that can be used in the future, either with Charles Nelson in the slot, with Darian McNeil in the slot. Um, I mean, it seems like our wide receivers, we have a lot of those kind of shorter, shifty guys mm-hmm. uh, where that could be a wrinkle that gets thrown in over the course of the season. Because I'm sure, I, just like a lot of football teams, we probably don't even have the entire offense installed yet, at no. least what the finished offense will be. Um, so that'll be interesting to monitor uh, as as we get closer to the end of the season. Now, another thing that I noticed that was a really positive development, switching over to the other side of the ball, was, you know, I... I kind of felt through the TV after the Southern Utah first drive where they scored and pretty much marched down the field and did whatever they want. Um, it, it sort of felt like there was there this here we go again mm-hmm. sort of tones in the fan base. Um, and I got to say, for the defense really stepped up. Now, opponent, keeping in mind the opponent. Just the defense, for the opponent, yeah. I mean, they they – pitched a shutout in the second half and they were very aggressive much so than in the past um i really like us going back to the three four personally i've always liked the three four especially in college offense because it just makes you faster defensively which has always been kind of our brand um yeah so i i like the aggressive three four that we played I really like Troy Dye at middle linebacker. Um, and, and overall, I thought our defense played well. I mean, I, I don't think that they're perfect or anything, um, especially with how much depth we did not have at the safety spot after mm-hmm. a couple guys went out with injury. Um, but I th- overall, I thought everything went just about as well as it could, offense, defense, and special teams. Uh-huh. I do too. I'm in one of the the first touchdown. You know that can happen um, because that team, like teams, will script like their first ten plays, and the second touchdown came off kind of. It was just a bad breakdown. Pretty much all those yards came off of one play, and then there was a fumble off of a kickoff that gave him like a fourteen yard field to work with. Not great. Still, but a huge change in where it was last year because they were able to get off the field on third down. Um, they were able to get off the field on fourth down. Forced turnovers. A lot of quarterback hurries. Those, the one thing that I think had the biggest room for improvement was 
uh, quarterback pursuit when they were in the pocket. A lot of the guys were crashing in so hard trying to catch him that he was basically able to just keep escaping because everyone committed so low into the pocket. Yeah, I agree. That I mean, that's on their first scoring play. That's what you saw. Uh, you saw Mattel Magara, who was making his first start, get caught up in a blo- in a block because he tried to set the edge, um, and he just got caught up in a block where he should have been a little bit further out, but instead he was really pursuing the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, that's. I think that's one of those things that you'll learn with experience Mm -hmm. because, I mean, how many of our guys on defense were freshmen or making their first start? I mean, Mitchell McGraw, Thomas Graham Jr., uh, both of our D tackles. um, Fotu. Yeah, Apelu played a decent amount last year. but He started six games last year. Um, Lamar Winston Jr. played a decent amount. Mm-hmm. It, so in in the Southern Utah game, not last year, he was oh, making yeah. his first. So um, I, th- I think that's something that you'll learn with experience, or at least you hope that you see improvement as the season goes on. Um, but overall, effort-wise, I thought the game was exactly what we wanted. Stats-wise, I mean – we blew them out of the water, mm-hmm. especially running the ball. But even even Herbert, who didn't have to do a whole lot, I mean, he only attempted 21 passes. Mm-hmm. His average yards per attempt was like, what, 13 yards downfield, which is, is pretty good. You're stretching the field at that point, and you're kind of doing what Taggart's offense at USF got so famous for doing, which was, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then play action and go deep. Um, I mean, Herbert had some gorgeous balls. Oh, yeah. To Charles Nelson. That one traveled like 50 yards through the air. That was, I mean, and that was a bullet. Yeah. Um, To Nelson, to Johnny Johnson III, who had, I mean, he only had two receptions, but he had a very long 37-yard, I mean, sports center top 10 play. Um I was really impressed also about the offense of how many guys got touches. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we, we all know that we have a three-headed monster at running back. I mean, Royce went over 100 yards. Kanai Benoit went over 100 yards. Tony Brooks James was really more of like an all-purpose back. Like he got nine attempts, but um, they were more like on swing passes. He got a couple – actual rushing attempts Mm -hmm. but in the passing game we had what one two three we had 10 guys catch a ball and i think only i mean nobody caught more than five balls and that was charles nelson Mm -hmm. so Herbert and the coaching staff did a very good job of spreading the ball around to guys that are all dangerous. I mean, Jacob Breland, I I will say that we both kind of called that earlier, that we thought he was going to be a a breakout candidate this year. And at least early, he he definitely looked like it. Charles Nelson, we know what he is. He's going to be dangerous. He's the returning leading receiver. 
Um, but after that, I mean, our wide receivers were were pretty good. Johnny Johnson the third caught a couple balls. Lovett caught a very good ball on the on the boundary. Um, Schooler caught, got in the mix. Mitchell got in the mix. Although personally, I thought Mitchell was kind of um, he didn't seem lost, but he just didn't like the ball. Didn't really find him. Um, and you and then you add on our running backs. I mean, we have we have guys that can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. offensively, I was never worried about our offense, but this just further reinforced that the offense is not going to be a problem on this team. Yeah, I mean that's something to take away too from an offensive perspective. The biggest question mark were was the receiver position. I don't think we can say for sure how good anybody is. But we know they don't suck. These games expose things that suck. They don't suck. And that's a start. Yeah. We'll take it. And one of the things that really also was impressive to me is the blocking. Yeah, Dylan Mitchell, Johnny Johnson, who are first-time starters, and they were getting after it. Schooler, especially on special teams, was everywhere. He was the first guy down pretty much every time. And that's super positive for me as well because, you know, even if Dylan Mitchell only caught two balls, even if Schooler only caught two balls, um, this goes back to the Chip Kelly glory days. I mean, if you are out there and you're busting your ass to block, it will lead to good things. And eventually yeah. you'll get the ball. And even if you don't get the ball, um, you know, that was another thing that's kind of related is when someone else scored, everybody was excited. Mm-hmm. With body language-wise, that did not always happen last year. So that's it, it's all positive signs to me of – things that the coaching staff and things that this team itself are, are doing right. Um, you know, you don't want to take too much from the first game. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And one of the things too, that tells me that this team is really gelling. And this is because it's such like a rarity across sports in general. When it was the fourth quarter and like pretty much all the second team guys were in, the starters were still watching from the sideline. They weren't hanging out on the benches behind by the stands or anything. They were pretty much up where everybody, where basically all the bench players were while the starters were in there playing. That's a pretty big sign to me at least because a lot of other times people, the star athletes will be done with their blowout and they'll just be hanging out on the bench killing time until the clocks hit zero. But with a lot of these guys, they were up pretty much the entire game. Agreed. Um, anything else you want to touch on for this first game, or should we kind of preview a little bit of Nebraska? Uh, I just wanted to call out like a few players that I th- uh, f- just a couple quick bullet points. The amount, the number of pancakes by the offensive line was crazy. I it know, was. Good. I know uh, that the phrase in the past has always been uh, bullets over bowling balls. These guys look like some bowling balls on the offensive line. And I was okay with that. We definitely look – I mean, when we get off the bus, we look 
much bigger than we have in the past. And not even necessarily just like girth, but um, guys just look like big. They look more cut. They look more athletic. Um, and it's a different type of athleticism. You know, in, in the past, we had guys that were on the offensive side of the ball that were very quick and they were really athletic in their own right. I mean, they would run past anybody. Um, but for the style of running and the style of passing that they want to play, um, these are the guys to do it. I mean, this our offensive line is, is going to be good because they have a very good combination of uh, experience, youth. As long as we stay injury-free, which is another positive thing that came out of this first game, I mean, we really didn't have a whole lot of injuries other than Khalil Oliver got banged up a little bit, but it looks like he's going to be all right. Um, that's really all you can ask against. How do you say it? Ophidio? Ophidio? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he had looked, a concussion. He looked like he had a concussion, which is never good. Um, but all things considered, I mean, there there weren't the season-ending, season-altering injuries like we had last year at Nebraska where Tyrell went down, Royce ended up going down, and, you know, he would come back later, but he never really was the same player. Right. It's, um, I was pleased. Uh, I, other guys that I wanted to, that I thought stood out, I thought Breland stood out. Um, Thomas Graham Jr., stood out to me even though the TV broadcast did a very poor job of showing the secondary uh, when they did the show the secondary he was doing a really good job of uh, sticking with his guy getting through the breaks um, Arian Springs even though he missed probably what two three tackles at the start of the game he didn't miss I mean, one after the in the second half he did not start out well and no, that was the ultimate, like, here we go again moment. It was like, just blowing that's tackles. Actually, that's actually something that I that I like to see because he responded really well. And I think last year he didn't do a great job of staying with plays. You know, if, if, if he encountered a little bit of adversity, he might be gone for the game. Yeah. Um, and that did not happen this game, which – I think is a really positive sign, not just for the coaching staff being able to to give him positive reinforcement and get him in the game, but also just him um, maturing as a player and maturing as a person, being able to say, all right, you know, I, he had one, his first missed tackle, where he was trying to blow the guy up. He did not wrap up at all. He came in overjacked. He was yeah, overjacked. Like a 15-yard gain. But he had the emotional maturity after he maybe got those butterflies out to be able to say, okay, I'm staying with it. I'm still in the game. And then he played pretty well. So those were the guys that stood out to me um, in addition to the guys that I've already mentioned, like Troy Dye and um, Herbert and Breland. Yeah. Um, The combo of having... Justin Hollins and Jonah Moy were on the field a lot together. Hollins was great. Hollins was great on the speed rush. And then 
Uh, one guy outside of the starters that really caught my eye was Elijah George. He did well. Yeah, now that yeah. you mention it. He, he kind of flew under the radar, and he's flown under the radar his entire time at Oregon. Yeah. I mean, he's bounced back and forth between O-line, O-line and D-line. Um, but he moved the pocket. He, he did a really good job. Yeah. And uh, Ugo Amadi playing nickelback was great, playing the position nickelback. Because um, he came he had a bit he had the big first interception and he had a couple really good plays in space. Um getting pressure on the QE coming off the edge and just last last note too is uh Austin Afal Austin Fe Fe Lu help me out. I think it's just follow. Follow? Okay. That seemed too easy. Um he was fast off the line. Him and Jalen Jokes were so fast getting off the line and really engaging with um, the offensive lineman in front of them. Just like because as soon as the ball was snapped, they were pretty much one step across the line, hands already extended in the offensive lineman's chest. So another again, one, I Southern want Utah. To shout, but another one I want to shout out that just just came to mind: um, the freshman safety duo of Billy Gibson and yes. Nick Pickett. They were coming for heads. Yes. And, and you know, it, that may come back to bite them later on. Um, honestly, hopefully they don't need to play a ton because, uh, you know, Tyree Robinson, it seems like, will be back based on practice reports. Khalil Oliver will probably take back to the starting spot. Uh, but for being true freshmen, for being their first time in the zoo – they they were impressive, if only for the fact that, you know, if they were going to make a mistake, they were going to make it at full speed, and I appreciate that. Yeah, which is the way to do it. So, uh, the uh, I don't think the game sold out. A lot of people left at around halftime, and uh, so that freed up a little bit of airspace bandwidth. So for the last part of the quarter, I was able to stream the end of Nebraska-Arkansas State. And that was an exciting finish. I never thought I'd be able to stream another football game inside of Austin Stadium, but you know, just technology. What a time to be alive. They've been putting those uh, those Wi-Fi routers whatever like enhancers up so they're, they're really focused on the fan experience you know yeah to not pay attention to the game <laughs> if it wasn't the fourth quarter and the teams weren't like 49 points apart from each other obviously would have been watching the duck game more but at that point it's like my phone is blowing up about arkansas state driving on nebraska for the for a possible win I honestly like I can't I can't believe it. I mean what what's the line on the game right now? Oh. So this has been a story in and of itself and it leads me to believe that I am missing something. Um so it opened at minus 14 and a half on Sunday. Duck, ducks favored. Ducks favored automatically pretty much instantly went to 
Oregon minus nine and a half. So a lot of early money came in on Nebraska. And then something happened yesterday that took it up to Oregon minus 16. If I'm a better, I am not betting on this game. And reason being, I am have all the confidence in the world in our offense. Um, I have cautious optimism about our defense. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that we're going to win the game. But I feel like we could... I, I see so many ranges of possibilities. Like, we could win close, or we could win by 28. I don't I see have, a situation where we get crushed. No. I No, I don't see that at all. Uh, I mean, if if you look at... Now, granted, this is the before the season even started. Um, but Bill C's preview of Nebraska football for 2017, at that point, before the season started, he had... Nebraska only having a 31% chance to beat us. And his projected margin was close to nine. So Bovada currently has that minus 13 and a half. And it looks like there's a slight edge for, there's a little more juice if you pick Oregon. So it's on a, it's on a significant line, which is 14 and it's minus 105. Um, instead of the normal minus 110. So it's Nebraska plus 13.5, minus 115. Well, we shall see. Um, yeah. I I bet you that gets bid. Uh, I bet you that gets uh, people bet on it enough to the um, on like the day of that it swings back over 14. And then we see the Sharps come in again really hard. It was like with Floyd Connor, where so much money was coming in on Connor that they had to, everyone had to adjust the lines to go from like Floyd minus 500 to minus 400. And the Sharps came in with like their million dollar bets. And then as soon as they hit Floyd minus 400, it went back up to minus 500. Connor McGregor went back down. And then just, just kept doing that for two months. You know, betting is a whole other world. I, I don't really fully understand it i'm not gonna lie like i don't not my thing it's weird and so for people who are listening to this and they don't really and it's so the line is not a prediction of what the final score is going to be the line is meant to first off it's meant to get people to bet it's supposed to like because people aren't going to bet money then what's the point of having a line to begin with but the second idea is the second point is you're trying to get even money on both sides. So you're trying to get half the people to say Oregon's going to win by 13 and a half or more and half the people to say Nebraska's going to win or win or lose by 13 or less. Because basically you charge everybody $110 for them to win 100, you win $10 each person in theory. So the line itself is really a matter of public perception. So when I see that Oregon comes out as a 14-point favorite, that means that there is a lot of hype behind Oregon and not some serious concerns in the public among Nebraska. And I think that's probably a seven-point win against Arkansas State. Right, exactly. And so you have... One team coming off a 77-21 win, 
another one coming off a uh it was like 43-36 I think yeah yeah off of a smaller win and people have been riding high on the Ducks pretty much this whole off season some people some real sharps have been questionable on Riley at Nebraska um it's okay he's a nice guy though yeah and, but then you then you finally lose this game to and people are coming in hot on Oregon and that's where you see the line being so high. So when it went back up to sixteen, I'm really trying to figure out if there's something that's going on that I don't know about. So because for something to change that drastically, there have there's almost always something that happens whether a player gets uh, gets like ruled out for the game or something like that. But um, yeah, and I was trying to look. I you know I didn't see any major injury news for Nebraska. Um, hard, hard to say now. I don't, for people that have not watched Nebraska since the last time we played Nebraska, you're not going to see the same team. Um, I mean, just, first of all, they lost their quarterback just on offense. They lost about two thirds of their starters on offense. Yeah. I mean, they have some huge questions to answer. Um, their defense is probably going to be pretty similar. Their their secondary is just about the same. Um, but with that being said, now I'm just going off the top of my head, but I don't really think that their secondary gave us a ton of problem last year. So No, the problem I, was not the offense last year. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident going into this um, – this next game against Nebraska. What I am interested to see is like we talked about earlier, I'm interested to see those little more wrinkles that get put in uh, on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, because we all know that there's more tricks in the bag, like the play action, like the read option, that type of stuff. Um, And on the defensive side of things, Honestly, the the thing that the one thing that I'm looking forward to most defensively, I want to see how, what percentage of the time we go nickel, because yeah. I agree that I thought Ugo played very well in the in the slot as the nickel back, um, like we talked about in our one of our season previews. I think the most defensive teams, cutting edge college defensive teams are kind of going towards nickel as a base defense. Yep. That's what Lev did last year at CU. Uh, and the only thing that had me doubting if we would do that was just how good both Ugo and Thomas Graham could be. Uh-huh. Uh, and based on the first game, of course, looking at the opponent, they passed with maybe not with flying colors, but they passed very well. Uh, Certainly good enough that I would have confidence in us leaning more towards going nickel um, to try and slow down and just get faster on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and we already have a hybrid player out there at the duck linebacker position. So it's not, it's kind of a hybrid nickel base to begin with. Um, But when we have like a real like nickel personnel grouping it's pretty much jokes mondo uh then we saw like jonah moy um hollands and then troy die and then there was i didn't apelu did not play a ton in the game 
Um, I know he had an injury thing, I think, at one point. But the other guy who played a lot uh, was A.J. Hodgkins, who looked really good in pass coverage, surprisingly given that he weighs like 232 pounds. He looked much quicker than he did last year. Yeah. Which could be any number of things. Like maybe he was banged up last year and we didn't know about it. Maybe he lost weight. But he much he looked spelt. Yeah. So Nebraska's quarterback is a transfer from Tulane. Um there's so a few he's drunk all the time. He's what? He's drunk all the time. All the time. Just hurricanes are in his water bottle. Hand grenades and hurricanes. Um so drink, he got the next event. He got a lot of hype because he looks like a quarterback. Make of that what you will. Um, but he was also the one of the stars of the Manning Passing Academy, which has also led us to some star quarterbacks, but also some guys who never ended up starting in college. But he had a pretty good debut performance. Um, you know, again, offense was not the problem for Nebraska against Arkansas State. Um, the one thing that was interesting, this is just me feeling more confident about the pick, um, is that he, when he was at Tulane, the, his, his performance between, there's basically two different quarterbacks. There was a quarterback that played average to below average against teams with winning records, and there was the quarterback who played really well against teams with below 600 records. So basically, he's Blake Bortles, who... When you matched him with, in college, with teams who had a 6-6 six and six record or better, he had like a 50 QBR rating. If he was playing teams that were below 500, he was closer to an 89. That sounds promising. Um, but he fits much more in the mold of Mike Riley's offense than Tommy Armstrong did. Tommy Armstrong was kind of a was a player that fit more in Bo Pelini's um, spread offense. Obviously, his legs converted a lot of third downs against Oregon last year. Um, but the players that Nebraska has now, really starting with Tanner Lee, are much more in sync with what Riley likes to do. And that's one of the things that I'm kind of interested to see when we're on defense, um, I I think last year, even though Tommy Armstrong was able to really burn us on third down, we were still able to, by scrambling, um, we were still able to really key in on the run defensively. Uh-huh. Um, this year, I don't think that we'll be able to do that as much. Yeah. So it it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um there I read a really good um take by a Nebraska fan who I'll link the article um in in the in the write up. Um but it's uh called Husker Chalk Talk. And he basically looks at uh, the way Arkansas State put Nebraska linebackers on an island. And he was saying that he con- they constantly got uh, the linebackers having to pick between um, whether to play 
a running uh, a running play through the a gap or an outside receiver through a run pass option um i don't think we'll have any real run pass options the way arkansas state did where they have a handoff or a post route um a lot of them are probably going to be runs or just swing out to the to that to the boundary where the receivers are um but he was very pessimistic about the linebackers' abilities to cover sideline to sideline um, and also of the defensive backs to be able to get off of blocks, which is like death by a thousand wounds. All good news for us. Yeah. So if I – so to make the case for Nebraska, basically I'm saying if I'm Nebraska – the signs for optimism would be that this is a team that's still gelling if they have some receivers or some defensive backs that can really take on um, the wide receivers and basically just jam at the line, put them on an island. That gives them a really good chance because they can just stack the box. Because of their six returning starters on defense, three of them are in the defensive secondary. It's both safeties and the defensive back. Um, both starters are over six foot. Lamar Jackson is, or both corners are six foot. Lamar Jackson six three. Chris Jones is six zero, which is taller than our receivers. Um, actually, yeah, I think I think Johnny Johnson and Mitchell are six six foot each. Yeah, but even then, that's those are some big guys. Yeah, I mean, they're they're very much in the like Seattle Seahawks mode of cornerbacks of big guys jam you at the line and try and win jump balls as opposed to, you know, your traditional cornerbacks that you would think of like a, like a Joe Hayden type, you know, that is going to... Like a Vernon Davis, not a Vernon Davis. I was thinking Vernon Hargraves. Yeah, exactly. Like those guys who are going to, maybe not necessarily Jamie at the line, although Joe Hayden does that a lot because he has super long arms, but um, will really more stick with you through your route as opposed to being more physical. So that'll be interesting to see how we, how our young wide receivers handle that. Um, you know, if, if they let them get that, get in their heads or, um, you know, if they go right back at them and just block that much harder, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Um, I think if you're the, If you're the Nebraska line, they have their nose tackle and defensive end, I'm looking at Phil Steele's guy, with 305 and 300 pounds. And if those guys are able to basically clog up all the holes so that Royce Freeman kind of been watched to keep having to bounce it outside, and they can basically just spill the running, the running backs out to the sidelines every time, and that's basically a win for them um, to be able just to keep – Oregon going side to side now because Oregon wants to go downhill just so much. Because a lot of the plays are designed for one of the tackles to pull around to the opposite side and then basically seal off the defensive end, outside linebacker, whoever it is. And if the defensive end and the nose tackle can basically take up all of that space in the middle so that that hole that, they try, that he tries to make with a seal is very tiny, then that's a win. We shall see. I'm, I'm stoked on it though, and you know I I think um, 
even though that's probably the strength of their defense, that combined with their returners in the secondary, um, when you have guys, three guys that could legitimately start at pretty much any other school in the backfield, um, I, I have some pretty good confidence that we'll be able to wear them down. Yeah, yeah, and it really comes down to the line too because I know Cristobal has said that there's really only seven to eight guys that he has a lot of confidence in right now on the offensive line. And if they go so much no huddle pretty much off the bat or like a lot of no huddle off the bat trying to push around these 300-pounders and they get tired um, and they just don't have the depth to go – 70 80 plays and that's that's the problem i could see happening yeah i could see that we'll see i mean hopefully that's not the case but um something to watch for yeah i'm just saying if nebraska's gonna win that's how they're gonna do it they're just gonna clog up the offensive line um just commit a ton of people to the interior and take their chances on the outside yep so because i mean that's that's what teams were able to do successfully last year also is they basically just played cover zero. They just had their defensive backs run press against Oregon's receivers and dared Herbert to make all these really difficult throws, basically. Or that are tough to routinely hit. So um, basically yeah. just said whenever Royce is in, he's not gonna he's not going to get much yardage. So and that probably end up honestly that'll probably be the the defensive um, plan that you see out teams. <laughs> my dogs are fighting right next to the computer. That'll probably end up being this being the defensive plan that you see out of a lot of teams this year. Um, even though I have confidence in Herbert being able to make more of those tough throws, especially after some of the the balls that we, he was able to rip out on in the first game. Yeah. Uh, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at our backfield versus I'm looking at our receivers, I'm taking my chances on the receivers every single time. Yeah. All right. Um, and we got some cool uniforms. That's right. How are we at Ducks blog? And we haven't even talked about the uniforms. This is, honestly, um, not just with the wings being back, which is cool in and of itself, um, but this is one of the cooler theme uniforms that we've done. I know the athletics department and the football team has gotten a lot of flack over the last, like, what, one or two years doing these theme uniforms that people tend to hate, although it's my personal opinion that People probably tend to hate them because the results have been good. Yep. Uh, more so than the actual uniforms. Um, call me crazy, but I think if we win the Washington State game at home two years ago, people all of a, all of a sudden have a really soft spot for the Puddles, Lewis, and Clark uniforms. Yeah. Just just my thought. Um, oh, no, it's that- definitely tied to that because I remember it was about like week four. And there was, like, another cool uniform coming out. And I was like, I really just don't care. Yeah. I really just don't care about these uniforms right now. But this is such a cool story of partnering with Dornbecker, um, giving child, 
children's cancer survivors the opportunity not only to just have uniforms you know designed for them but also interact with guys like Tyrell Crosby um, guys like Khalil Oliver you know our student athletes and make that an experience um, that's super cool yeah yeah and shout out to all the hype beasts who bought them and then are now reselling them for like over two hundred dollars jerks gotta make that money uh i am not one of those i personally i didn't really like the air max 90s i'm just saying you know not not the line as a whole or that particular year uh, these particular ones for the Dornbecker ones. I don't. I didn't really like the design of the Air Max 90s. Okay. But I would take an Air Max One over an Air Max 90 any day. Well, agree to disagree. You don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it uh, for us. On that note, um, <laughs> we'll be back early next week. Because uh, I will actually be on the road for the Wyoming game. Uh, it's very unfortunate. It's pretty much the opposite of fortunate. So, um, and of course, it's not on any channel that could possibly be carried on an airplane. Uh, and I'll be at the Wyoming game. Woo! You're at the Wyoming game? Yeah, can't wait. Oh my it's going to be great. All right, well, I think airplanes do this cool thing now where you can message from the, from the air. Like, you can log on to the Wi-Fi, but just a message. I'm pretty so, sure Laramie doesn't have cell phones yet, so that might be difficult. Okay, well, I'll be up in the sky, so if you get some smoke signals, that would also be appropriate. I will do so. Okay, cool, awesome. All right, so, all right, that'll do it for us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>